Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. This is Big Curious, and I'm Olivia Allen Price. When I was growing up, one of my favorite TV shows was... You guessed it, Full House. Like so many young people in the 90s, I had an age-inappropriate crush on Uncle Jesse. But what comes to mind when I think of that show, it's not actually him. It's the final scene in the opening credits. The Tanner family is having this, like, super charming-looking picnic in Alamo Square, and they're right in front of the painted ladies, this row of ornate Victorian and Edwardian homes. Each house has not one, but two bay windows sticking off the front. Now, I think for me and for a lot of people who are not from the Bay Area, this scene created an image in our minds of what San Francisco looked like. And it was all Victorians and bay windows. A question about those bay windows won our October voting round. Aaron Michaels wants to know why there's such an iconic architectural style here. He hasn't noticed them as much in other cities. Today, we're answering Aaron's question and shedding some light on the origins of the Bay Window. Stay with us. Support for Bay Curious comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Committed to brewing things the right way since 1980, because when you're a family-run brewery, there's no other way to do it. Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Still family-owned, operated, and argued over. And be sure to stay tuned through the end of the show so you can play our monthly trivia game for a chance to win some cool prizes. Hey there, it's Olivia Allen Price, host of Bay Curious, the podcast. KQED Podcasts wants to thank listeners like you whose support makes this podcast possible. If you want to help us continue to make great content, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. And thanks. All right, so bay windows are not only all over San Francisco, but you also find them all over Oakland and many other Bay Area towns. But how did they end up here, and why? Reporter Christopher Beal ventured outside to find out. See the palm trees? That's Lafayette Park. Danielle Steele lives on the other side. That's where we're heading, but not up Let's go back to a time just a few weeks ago when we could all go outside and get some fresh air and stand less than six feet from strangers. These are called painted ladies. You can thank the hippies. They started it, trying to upset the elders in the summer of love. But it backfired because the elders did it too. I'm in San Francisco taking a tour with a local expert on Victorian architecture. I'm Jay Gifford, and I started this walking tour about 15 years ago. It's called the Victorian Home Walk. Jay came to the Bay Area completely by accident in the late 1970s. He stopped over while moving from Michigan to Los Angeles and instantly fell in love with San Francisco's culture and its European-inspired architecture, so much so that he decided to stay. He didn't even finish the road trip. In 1988, Jay and his partner bought their own Victorian, 
and it was in the DeBose Triangle, which was a very rundown neighborhood. And we were one of the first people to actually start to restore and, and put things back. If you take a walk through any part of the city, you'll notice that bay windows are on almost every home, especially Victorians. Does your Victorian have bay windows? Yes, it does. <laughs> I want to try to get at where the idea for bay windows came from in the first place. Like, where were they invented? We'll get back to Jay in a second because this is where expert number two comes in. My name is Christopher Verplank. I'm an independent architectural historian in San Francisco. Christopher is a wealth of knowledge about the diverse architecture in the region, and he is, in fact, a Bay Curious listener. So you know he's legit. Is there a specific culture that we can trace San Francisco's Bay windows back to? Like, was it the Spanish? Was it the British? I'd have to say England. More specifically, 17th and 18th century England. Right smack in the middle of the Renaissance, this new type of window started popping up on certain homes. You know, especially estates for, you know, wealthy individuals incorporated a feature called an oriel, basically a three-sided or four-sided appendage to a building that uh, cantilevers out over the ground beneath. And they're typically more of a decorative effect. Try to picture an oversized bay window made of stone. In many English manor houses, these orioles were set up as a sort of a chapel, and in some cases even contained a platform for a throne. Soon, the Oriole would work its way into more working-class urban architecture. And a lot of uh, British cities have what they call terrace housing. And they're very simple, humble brick structures that go up the, the streets in these uniform ranks of identical houses. And they're very small, and a lot of times they didn't really have too many interior amenities. These terrace houses were pushed up against each other on narrow lots with only two outward-facing walls. And if you have limited space to put the windows in the front of the house... If you've got a three-sided bay window, and especially a tall one, it lets a lot more light into the interior of the house. As Europeans migrated across the Atlantic, the earliest bay windows in America first appeared in New England. The San Francisco connection comes in in the 1800s. The gold rush is in full swing and people are pouring into California with dreams of striking it rich. And then in 1850, California officially becomes a state. You know, San Francisco was really a maritime outpost of New England and New York. I mean, most of the early Anglo-American settlers came from those cities. And like eastern cities, San Francisco is very narrow, 25-foot-wide lots. And in many cases, the side walls, uh, you know, butt up against each other. To solve that problem, those early settlers began adding bay windows to new home designs in the late 1870s, early 1880s. And once a few people built bay windows... Everybody did them. Now, back then... San Francisco was isolated. In other words, we had to build with what was local. And what was local was redwood. While it's rare today, in the 1800s, redwood was widespread throughout Marin and parts of the East Bay. And redwood is very uh, easy to work, very strong, very stable. And the wood was cheap. And so all the houses were over-embellished. So the bay windows have so much detail, and, and I think that just makes them stand out and makes you focus on them more. And it does certainly make our Victorians more unique than other cities in the country. Okay, so the name, Bay Window. Surely that's a Bay Area connection, right? Well, both of our experts say no. Many people think that Bay Window refers to San Francisco Bay, but it actually doesn't. It's a reference to the uh, the physical shape of the Bay Window because it looks like a, a bay in plan. And that's the origin of the name. We copied 
the bay window from Europe, essentially. Exactly. After World War II, bay windows disappeared from most new construction in the city and didn't really return to common practice until the postmodernism of the late 1980s and 1990s. People start to desire a return to this more traditional architecture. And you really start to see that get incorporated into apartment buildings in San Francisco in the last two decades of the 20th century. So bay windows first appeared in Europe, then New England, and then San Francisco. And today, they're everywhere here in the Bay Area. And I find it kind of poetic that these ornate and beautifully functional windows designed to let light into otherwise dingy places will forever be associated with our city by the Bay. That was reporter Christopher Beale. Thanks to Aaron Michaels for asking this week's question. If you are looking for something fun to lift your spirits and keep you entertained during this challenging time, go right now and sign up for the monthly Bay Curious newsletter. We've got some fun plans cooking, and our newsletter subscribers will be among the first to hear about them. You can sign up at baycurious.org. You just go online, and when you get there, scroll, scroll, scroll. Eventually, you'll see a newsletter sign-up box on the purple background. That's when you know you've made it. I'm Olivia Allen Price. Bay Curious is made in San Francisco at member-supported KQED. Have a great week. Hi, Bay Curious listeners. Are you ready to play May's trivia game? Every month, we read a question here at the end of our episode. You can give us your answers over at our website, kqed.org slash baycurious, or just click the link in the episode description. Out of the correct answers, we'll randomly choose one lucky winner to receive a cool prize package with Bay Curious swag and Sierra Nevada goodies. Okay, our question for the month is, the world's longest-running pillow-fighting contest was held from 1966 to 2006 in what Bay Area town? Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck! Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest, and I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.